Good evening. On behalf of superheroes everywhere, oh, and superheroines, or super persons if you prefer, I bid you welcome. Ah, that I have your attention, we'll proceed. Welcome to Now Playing's DC Comics Team Up Retrospective Series. He calls my arrival the dawn of the superhero. I am not sure if I know what that means. Continuing our look at movies based on DC Comics characters, Arnie, Stewart, and Jacob will be reviewing Legends of the Superheroes. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's mightiest mortal. Justice League of America. We all need heroes in our lives. Sometimes we find them in the most unlikely places. Gen 13. Once the students become Gen Active, no one will be able to stop us. Not Lynch, not the government. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of what? There have been other times when a danger upon the world required the services of singular individuals. And Watchmen. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And all the whisper, No. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. That was naughty. Listener discretion is advised. Sounds cool. I kind of like the superhero stuff. It'll be just like, like a super friend. Today we're discussing Justice League of America, starring Matthew Settle, Kimberly Oha, John Kassir, Michelle Hurd, Kenny Johnson, and David Ogden Styers with Miguel Ferrer, directed by Felix Enrique Alcala. I won't call it. <laughs> this is the now playing co-host who proves nice guys can be sexy, Arnie. Stewart in L.A. And this is the manipulative, self-absorbed bitch, Jacob. <laughs> Couldn't believe that line was in this. I can't believe what we're watching. Actually, I can. The sad thing is, it took me half of this before my eyes unglazed. Like, it just crumbled away, and I realized, God, this is awful. But for half of it, I was so out of my body, I didn't even realize how terrible it was. Here we are again, DC, trying its hardest to be the worst series we've ever done. <laughs> Here's the weird thing is that I feel like DC, when it, if you got to do a DC versus Marvel thing, like, sure, Marvel has been much more successful on the big screen. DC has ruled on the small screen on television, yet we're getting the garbage part of the television stuff they've done. I would say you could flip this because in the 70s and 80s, Marvel had the TV thanks to Incredible Hulk. And DC had the big screen with Superman and Batman. It's only currently where Warner Brothers just can't get the theatrical act together for a Justice League. I mean, a very successful Batman trilogy. Yeah, no, it's 1997 is where we've caught up. We're nearly 20 years ahead of where we were last week. And, and I will go ahead and spoil it. Yes, in a much better place as well. Maybe not much better, but a higher caliber place than we were last week. Yeah, I think DC is the one killing it. Marvel is the one stuck in Corman land. And yeah, DC, they think they're about to have a, a Superman movie with Tim Burton and Nick Cage. They've had, uh, I think this is the same year that Batman and Robin came out. Steel came out this year. So this was just an utter bad year for them. <laughs> 
It's the year that killed DC. Yes. <laughs> Superman went into the tank. Steel did what it did. This thing came out. Batman and Robin, we all know. It's important to stress here, this never aired, right? They never made a series out of this. Not in the U.S. It was never even broadcast. No. They didn't want us to review this, Arnie, and yet here we are. (laughs) Thanks to our listeners, yes. But you know what? This is a legitimate production. Here we have actors we know of and have reviewed in other stuff. And it took me halfway through this movie or episode or whatever you want to call it before it hit me what's going on here. You talked about all the other stuff that was coming out for DC in 1997, but also around the same time, a hit DC television series was coming to an end, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, that had started in 93, was really on the skids by 95, and limped into 97 before dying and in glamorous death. So I think what we're seeing here is an attempt to continue the rom-com heroics of Lois and Clark with the Justice League and whichever heroes they felt they could use at the time. They'd also had a artistically successful but commercial failure series, The Flash, in the early 90s, too. Yeah, which kind of has a cult following now. Wait, what? how is it successful? Artistically? Yeah. That thing was an abomination. It's got a following now, though. There's people that have come around to it. That thing with Trickster? <laughs> with Mark Hamill? Yeah, the, I have nostalgic memories of it, actually. It was horrible. You have memories like that. You Like you have memories of Tonto and Giganta or whatever in some <laughs> bullshit movie that doesn't exist. This is not true. If you went back and saw five minutes of that Flash series, you would know how horrible it was. I remember that I liked the Danny Elfman score. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that big super muscle molded suit, which seemed weird for the Flash. Right. Yeah. muscles. Yeah. You don't want a big guy. But DC was really trying to make a television endeavor that would finally succeed just a few years later when Smallville would start this entire television universe they've got going on that now, as ubiquitous as Marvel feels in theaters, I feel like I can't turn on TV without hitting a DC show. But this was one of those attempts and... It obviously wasn't picked up by the networks, but should it have been? That's what we're here to discuss. Yep. You know, if there had been a WB back then, I don't know if that network had totally existed yet. Oh, I, I yeah, think absolutely. Keep in mind, Star Trek Voyager started on UPN in 95 or 96, and Warner Brothers was on before that. Yeah, there was a WB. Oh, well, that's where this belongs. It definitely didn't belong on CBS. But once again, much like Legends of the Superheroes here, we're not exactly getting the A-list when we're getting the Atom, Ice, and Fire. The Atom and Green Lantern and Flash all carrying over from last week's movie, by the way. Yeah, I was... I don't know what the adjective is. I I was excited. I was (laughs) happy. I was aware that they were the same characters. In better outfits. But not quite the same. Like, I don't know what Flash we got. There's Wally West. There's Barry Allen. We got a different Green Lantern this time. We don't have Hal Jordan. We have Guy Gardner. Yeah, but this Green Lantern, from what I'm reading, is kind of an amalgam of all the Green Lanterns that have ever existed. I can't believe you guys are trying to actually find the character from the comic books. As if this show was 
anything about a comic book superhero. You gotta admit here, what we have, I may not like superheroes, and I'm the target demographic for this show. This is a show for people that don't want to watch superheroes. Here's what I feel, though. Like, they're going for this Gen X vibe in this. So, mm. Guy Gardner fit. Like, he was the guy who was supposed to be Green Lantern if Hal Jordan didn't exist. So, once he becomes part of the core, like, he, he's the rebellious one. He's the, the disgruntled one. He's hot-headed. So, I feel like if you're going for this younger vibe, like, yeah, that Guy Gardner, go for that one. Now, do they do that here? We'll discuss it. But I feel like there were certain choices made where at least they checked out the comics why they got fire and ice in here i don't know they needed women (laughs) we could have done huntress and black canary again ones that people actually know hello wonder woman the most famous superheroine of all time what's she doing i'm sure the rights for her were tied up in something more important than this yeah Mm. and keep in mind they would bring huntress and all of those back in 2002 for birds of prey maybe there was plans ahead of time who knows but yes we get fire we get ice we get What is this? New Metro 90210? Yeah, it's not a DC town or city. I don't know if you could get more generic than New Metro. They they have a, you know, it's it's all about the weather. They have like a weather map at one point. I'm like, where in that is the U.S.? I think it's (laughs) East Coast. No one really has an accent. It's nowhere. Yeah, it, it doesn't exist anywhere. It's a coastal town, apparently, if you can have typhoons and hurricanes. Yeah, where was that ridiculousness? And Green Lantern set with the tentacles from space. Harbor City. I honestly thought this might be Harbor City for a while, but no. Okay, not the same thing. Anyway, generic town. I mean, even Weather Wizard's going to return. They're not going to call him that, but come on. (laughs) That's who it is. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe how many carryovers are from last week. It's just painful. Yes, but could you imagine if we would have got a 70s Martian Manhunter, John Jones? I guess we'll talk about it here. I can't imagine him looking... Worse than what we'll get. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. Um, But yeah, we definitely (laughs) need to talk about all of this. Arnie, give them the plot. Let's get in it and let's get through it. Oh, if only we had Ghetto Man. (laughs) (laughs) The fictional city of New Metro is the home of the Justice League of America. The group is comprised of The Flash, also known as Barry Allen. Flash can run really fast, but he can't keep a job, forcing him to crash on the sofa of his teammates. Green Lantern is also known as Guy Gardner, a software salesman, because that's Trey 90s, whose superheroics make him unable to keep a girlfriend. Science teacher and perpetual lonely nice guy Ray Palmer is the Atom, who has the ability to shrink down to just a few inches in size. Not usually a feature women are looking for. No wonder he's lonely. (laughs) They usually want growth of inches, not... All right. Anyway, rounding out the group is B.B. DaCosta, a failing actress and pyrokinetic superhero known as Fire. The four are led by the mysterious and often off-screen shape-shifting alien Martian Manhunter, played by MASH's David Ogden Stiers. The five have saved New Metro from all evildoers, until a new threat appears, a masked individual who calls himself the Weatherman. He's taking over the TV networks and threatening weather disasters if he's not paid a considerable ransom. The League is able to barely avert disasters from the Weatherman's hurricanes and mudslides, but they're unable to discover his true identity, because they're too busy with other problems, such as Green Lantern's suspicious girlfriend, Fire's teenage stalker Martin, and The Flash's unemployment. Hey, he's 22. Not quite a teenager. But he is a stalker. 
If he's 22, she should have just hooked up. 22 is fine. What the hell? I thought he was like... And he has a career. That's David Crumholtz. Yeah, he has connections. She could do better than Fruit of the Loom commercials. Yeah, they talk about him saving up his allowance, so I, I wasn't ever positive on that age thing. She should have... Yeah, she should have gone there. We'll talk about it. I think she's hung up on someone else. Yes. The only one who's actually focusing on the weatherman is meteorologist Tori Olaf's daughter. The scientist is working at a meteorological institute for Dr. Eno, played by Miguel Ferrer. She discovers her boss is the weatherman who's resorted to terrorism after the governor has cut his funding. Ah, I know now. New Metro's in Illinois. <laughs> but while snooping around the office, Tori accidentally pours water on the weathermaker machine, giving her the power to turn whatever she touches, or eventually whatever she looks at, to ice. Due to this new power, Dr. Eno tries to recruit her to his cause, but instead she joins the Justice League. Furious, the weatherman summons a typhoon to wipe out the city, and the Justice League can only watch. Until Tori, under her new superhero identity of ice, freezes the wave, saving the town. And Green Lantern captures Eno and turns him over to the cops as credits roll. I mean... It's a very simple plot if I don't get into all the machinations of Green Lantern's dates, the flashes working as a mailman, and hitting up waiters for jobs, and Adam's general nebbishness. It's the 90s. I mean, they're going for Gen X. The whole idea is, I, I guess, we, we start, really, with MTV real-world talking heads. People addressing the camera in faux documentary. Thank you, real-world. I was killing myself going... Big Brother hadn't started yet. Where are they getting this confessional style? The real world. Yeah, it yeah. took me a few minutes to figure out why are they doing this? Why are they talking to the camera? But yeah, this is totally... They all live in the same house. Like, yes. It's totally done real world style. Yes. It doesn't make any sense because they're no. supposed to have secret identities, but then they're talking to the confessional camera saying who they are. See, and I just took this as basically friends with capes. Yeah, I mean, that's an element of it, too. I mean, it's definitely just Gen X archetypes. You know, the whole idea that the Flash is a slacker, you know, that he really doesn't want to do anything, even though he can do everything faster. I mean, are you laughing yet? He's Puck, basically. <laughs> he uses a fork, though. He is clean. They don't want him to move in for some reason. But I'm like, he does make all the food and dishes, but they like all live together but him. But he gets thrown out of his house in the beginning of the episode. So they begrudgingly let him join their very modern art decorated like <laughs> posh mansion it's kind of strange yeah they're all supposed to be working class and yet they live i guess quality of life is different here in new metro software salesmen and college professors well i think it was high school teacher oh was he high school okay but i got the impression guy gardner had money like he was the rich one of the group software salesmen going to <laughs> operas software salesmen like literally like he'll sell you leisure suit larry or something <laughs> that's like that. the example i was gonna use <laughs> yeah. i mean just sold 50 copies of mist booyah <laughs> Keep in mind, there are high-end software salesmen who work on commissions and sell multi-million dollar contracts to large organizations, even in the 90s. I'm talking more of Microsoft bulk licensing and yeah, banking yeah. software. Office, but, I get it. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I thought he was the one with the money. And it, because he's Green Lantern, he's flush with cash? I don't know. Eh, probably as good a guess as any here, yes. But they're all different types and yeah, they're all going to live in a house and their personal problems 
are the drive of this show. Only occasionally are they motivated to come together and kind of half-ass do something. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird that this is a team, like, this is the Justice League. Mm, much yeah. less of America. Like, yeah. they, they barely <laughs> seem to want to do anything with Metro City or New Metro. <laughs> Sorry. What got me is when this starts, we're being introduced to these people in their normal life. We've got the confessional with Tori saying she never thought she'd be a superhero. And I think we're going to see all the origin stories, especially when we see Flash getting thrown out on his ass and the landlord makes a big deal about breaking his VCR. (laughs) And I'm like, if he was the Flash, he could have caught that. So obviously we're going to see all of them get their powers. No, I guess he was maintaining his secret identity by letting his VCR get smashed. Uh, you, you caught something I didn't even notice. I don't know why that roommate just wouldn't like pawn it if the Flash hasn't been paying his rent. Like, why destroy it? Oh, it was the landlord, not a roommate, but... Okay, the landlord. Go pawn that thing if you're not getting your rent. (laughs) You think you're getting much for a VCR in the day of DVD? 97. uh... Yeah, no, DVD wasn't anything back then. Yeah. They were... Yeah, people were definitely still on tape. How long have they been the Justice League? I mean, this is a story about bringing Tori into their group. I'm wondering, yeah, why wouldn't you tell how this whole group came together because it's a crazy ass group <laughs> they're like their hideout what they're doing like yeah all of this is really wild we're kind of told it in backstory that martian manhunter came to earth and wanted to defend earth's freedoms and so he found these other super beings and brought them together. And I'm sorry, Martian what? Because yeah, they don't call him Martian Manhunter in this, which is so weird. No, no, no. What the hell is a Martian Manhunter? This guy will come in late into the game and say he's the head of the Justice League since when? He was never in any episode of Super Friends. <laughs> he was in the Justice League cartoon in the early 2000s. That's the only reason I know him. Yeah, he is in the DC Universe. He's been a consistent member of the Justice League. He's been around for a while. He's considered one of the stronger. He might be able to take on Superman, but Martian Manhunter, John Jones, comes from Mars, like the last survivor of Mars. He got beamed by some magical science beam to Earth, and he could shapeshift, and he hid out for a while. And Did he run the Justice League? He was in charge of it? No, he's typically not the leader. He didn't put it together, no. Okay. But this is the characters they had. Okay. They didn't want to use Superman or Batman. Probably couldn't. Okay. Yeah, I've always viewed those as kind of like the chairman of the Justice League. But yeah, here it's Martian Manhunter and these other four much younger Justice League members are left to kind of squabble, but pretty much work together as a team when weird things happen, like a hurricane that the Flash is able to disperse by running counterclockwise. Ah, the weather. Whenever you don't want to have, like, a political enemy, you just make it, like, killer weather coming, which is a thing in the 90s. I mean, you know, it was a time of relative peace. I mean, I do feel like there were a lot of, like, disaster movies. Like, their reference was, like, Twister, Volcano. Yeah. You know, all of that stuff was, like, the big thing going on, or alien invasion. You know, we didn't really... Of course, there were terrorist attacks, but they just... Pre-9-11, that wouldn't have been the enemy that they went with. So, yeah, we just have the idea... I think it takes a while for us to even understand that there's a weatherman controlling them. It's just... 
Yeah, they're going to fight clouds. Well, you see some guy like in sunglasses and a mask like on the TV ranting about something. I don't know what he wants. Yeah, the connection that he's controlling the weather is there's a lot about this plotting and this that, that's not clear. But yeah, it took me a while to understand that he was hijacking the airwaves to tell. I, I think at some point he asked for $20 million to turn off hail. But, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I've just remembered that hail scene. Whatever. I'm like, I'll just get an umbrella. <laughs> F*** you. Yeah, I think the insurance companies would pay that because of all the damage to cars. It's probably cheaper to pay the guy $20 million than all the auto body shops. You know, I don't know. I didn't break out the calculator here, but I, I thought that that was sort of a low ball. But, yeah, this is a dumb villain. We can all establish. It's. I think it was the same thing uh, Sean Connery played in The Avengers, too. Like he controlled the weather, Alex De Winter. Not the Marvel Avengers, but that other one. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, let me let me establish. Yes, <laughs> there was in the late '90s an Uma Thurman, Rafe Fiennes, based on the BBC spy series Avengers, and Sean Connery played a villain that controlled the weather. A movie I could not get through. <laughs> it's pretty silly, but better than this one. Weather control devices are an old trope that we've seen time and time again, including last week. Did we? Well, the weather wizard. weather wizard messing with the weather. <laughs> oh, God. All right. But yeah, dumb villain, dumb characters. Not a lot to grab on here at the beginning. We can all admit there's really very little to pull you in. I am pulled in thanks to Makewell Ferrer, an actor who I've enjoyed for decades and who I immediately knew was the weatherman, because if you've got a bad guy with a secret identity and Miguel Ferreira is walking around, <laughs> I don't care if you're watching RoboCop or Iron Man 3, Miguel Ferreira is not a nice guy. Yeah, the setup is weird. They try to have a mystery for about half of it. We know we're supposed to like Tori. She's in the very first shot. She's giggling and bumbling, and there's just everything about her is innocent, so we can trust her. We know she's not the weatherman, but she's working at this meteorological institute, and it's either going to be the boss that I find out much later she has a crush on. I had no idea during all of this establishing. Yeah, I don't get that at all. No, but Tori likes Eno, but there's also this creepy red herring underling named Arliss who's working late and we're meant to think could be the weatherman. Way too obvious. They didn't play their hand well enough. I, Arliss was so obvious I knew it wasn't him. Miguel Ferrer is always evil, so it was a pretty easy one. Yeah. Plus, Miguel Ferrer is an actor I know, and Ron Pearson doesn't even have a photo for IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, uh, so Tori in her, I don't know if she's investigating or just can't hold a bottle of water, but she <laughs> ends up finding a magic suitcase that she throws water into. And well, no, 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 no. She, like, drops something and tries to get behind a machine to pick it up, and he's able to easily, like, kick it out of the way where there's a suitcase. She opens it and knocks a water bottle into it. She's such a Phoebe. Yeah. What is that? Science. Did we ever establish what that is? That's the thing that controls the weather? I guess. Yeah, I believe that is the weather machine. And by shorting it out with the water, it doesn't break it, but it imbues her with the power to turn things to ice. And don't you think that they should have made more if you have one character named Fire and one character named Ice that they should not get along? I thought you were going to get another direction, Earth, Wind, and Fire or something. 
<laughs> now that would be fun. We do need some musical numbers here. I can't. I can't say that. Here's the thing, though: that you have the Justice League, and apparently they just all get paged when there's something going on. Yeah, beepers. After, I love that. <laughs> my favorite is after the Flash defeats the Hurricane at the beginning. They all go to an alley to change back into their civilian clothes. <laughs> like that's the best they can do. <laughs> they have this posh house with multiple rooms, but no, we're going to be here by the dumpster, smearing <laughs> off our mascara and. Yeah, it's these are people that are not in love with being superheroes. You wonder why they're even impelled to do it. She's more concerned with getting an acting job in a Fruit of the Loon commercial <laughs> wearing a banana outfit than she is flying around shooting fire. Yeah, that's perhaps the show's fatal flaw and where I really got Lois and Clark is you've got the superheroics, but you've also got just the mundane parts of life where they're trying to get jobs and have romances and yeah and, and this group doesn't even notice tori like they're not going to be the ones that discover it's going to be john jones who really finds her out i mean you get this group you have i don't know ray palmer he's down because he's the nice guy and can't get a chick you find out there used to be a thing between guy gardner and bb and they're always kind of having this relationship battle thing going on. And then. But the actors have no chemistry there. I do not no, want to no, see those two get together. No, I don't want to see any of this come together. But yeah, that's what's supposed to be going on. Yeah, they don't care about being heroes. It's supposed to be the real world or friends or whatever. It's supposed to be about the drama. I wish I wish we had some of that canned laughter from last week because I don't know if there's any jokes in this. I never at any time thought, oh, that's where I was supposed to laugh. I don't think it is supposed to be a comedy. I think it is supposed to be Melrose Place or something. Something that's just, it's heightened. It's not reality. And yet we're supposed to believe in the soap opera dramatics of it. I mean, they're just looking at it as like, oh, we're going to get a new roommate. So, you know, let's go chloroform her in the middle of the night, <laughs> put her in a spinning chair and ask her to freeze a glass of ice. <laughs> yeah, it's a really terrible initiation. I can see why she would be hesitant to join this group. Yeah, they only find her because, like, there's a skateboarder who fell into, like, a two-foot-deep pond, and it was drowning, and she, like, stepped in to save him, and it just freezes. She's, like, frozen on her shins. Everywhere she goes, she's leaving slush trails. I mean, I don't think she's hard to find. I think that it's kind of strange that uh, people don't know what's going on with her, but her powers kind of come and go, like, as they need them to. They play it up to agitation. If she's in a heightened state of stress, she cannot control them yes exactly and then we have this really weird scene a scene that i did not understand until after the movie was over and i was trying to go through my notes that they decide that she is someone you know they don't get much out of her by abducting her in the middle of the night so they decide to visit her at an office party and what we will find out is that Miguel Ferrer's character, Eno, is being impersonated by a space alien we have not met yet who can shapeshift. Yeah, this is where the plot's all supposed to come together because Ooh. we didn't realize yet that Dr. Eno, or we weren't supposed to realize, Dr. Eno is the weather wizard. And he'd been looking forward to this fundraiser the whole time. And the fundraiser is going to have the governor there where they can get their funding. And meanwhile, you've got that red herring, Arliss, 
there who is trying to unveil something for Eno and says it can be unveiled there, but it turns out he was talking to the shape-shifting imposter. So Eno's like, what the hell are you talking about? We never had a conversation. And we get to see all of the Justice League members somehow break through and get into this invitation-only party by either Green Lantern stealing an invitation, Adam hiding in a purse, BB just being a woman and being like, I want in. Yeah, she's sexy, so we'll let you in without <laughs> credentials here. You know, Adam, again and again, I feel bad for Adam because his power is so bad. Like, what can you do with shrinking? Hey, we watched it. We reviewed a whole movie about that called Ant-Man. Yeah, a much better movie than this, but he <laughs> has to, like, do really painfully stupid things here. I mean, there's no advantage to it. The saving the cat is the worst. Yeah, during yes. the hurricane, while other people are rescuing lives and all of that, he gets to climb underneath a house and pull a cat tail so it'll run out to the old lady that's waiting for it i do have <laughs> to ask did they use actual cgi for that effect when he shrinks like they actually yeah. have some weird thing I, I guess they would have cgi then that they could afford yeah they had that i mean star trek next generation have been using it since the late 80s so it's not unprecedented that this would be on a television budget it's not impressive i mean yeah they have some computer graphics work it's it's a little bit better than generation x only slightly and because adam shrinks and does useless things like limbo under a laser wire. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, that's where the laugh track was supposed to go. I liked the little music. I like Calypso, though. But okay, we'll go buy a CD. <laughs> I like Harry Belafonte. But all I was thinking was again, I'm bringing it up again Misfits of Science. Yeah, well, you know, have you gone back and watched that show? Yeah, not too long ago. It holds up. Okay, because I always guess that it's about as good as this. It is. It's probably actually better. The characters are more well-written. It's better edited. This thing feels unfinished. Like, this feels like what they took as a first-shot pilot to get approval to do further editing, some reshoots, and add more music. Because this thing is filled with long, dramatic pauses. And I was like, why doesn't this work when I loved Lois and Clark? And the reason being, Lois and Clark had banter and patter and pacing. This... This honestly feels like I'm watching dailies. Yeah, it's a little more polished than that, but I know what you mean. What, what you're seeing is, and the reason why they didn't pick it up is, is that even though all of these other shows you mentioned are equally ridiculous in concept, there was a chemistry between the actors that made you feel like, oh, I'll go along with it. It's fun to be in this world. The real problem is... In superhero costume or not, most of these people are a real pill. The only one I really like, actually, is Fire. I kind of like her because she's got that whole relationship going on with, I guess, 22-year-old Stalker Martin, who is impersonating a French director and all these things to try to win her love. I didn't necessarily like her either. I found all of these stars, quote-unquote, to be really bad actors, and Tori was the worst. She yeah. was just miserable. I would say Fire had the best acting. If yeah, no, she was. This. Yeah, she, it's not about acting. I mean, this part doesn't require or acting. Presence, whatever you want to say. Presence, exactly. Yeah. Charm. You actually wouldn't mind seeing her in something that wasn't shit. Whereas most of these people, like, and the weird thing is Green Lantern is the one with the biggest career. He would go on to do Gossip Girl, Band of Brothers, ER. He's got a show coming out in a couple weeks. I wouldn't have guessed it, but he's my least favorite. And yeah, he is the biggest star, Matthew Settle. 
I would agree. He is the most dull. The writers have done him no favors, though. True. He doesn't have the humor of the Flash with the unemployment. He doesn't have the charm of lovable loser Adam. You're saying you're finding charm with the Adam and you're finding humor with the Flash? Because I feel like that's supposed to be there, but it's all missing. I'm saying it's written there, but Green Lantern is just stuffy. Yeah, he's got this girlfriend that, yeah, you just don't like the relation. I don't care whether he's with this Cheryl or not. It doesn't really matter. And I don't think we're supposed to want him to be with that. I think we're supposed to think that if this were picked up for a series, that BB and him would get back together. That there's still some unresolved sexual tension or chemistry or whatever you want to call it between them. I don't care. I don't want to see them together. I was wondering about that, though. I mean, they definitely hint at the tension and the history there. By the same token, they're also trying to set up ice with Adam, and it looks like it might go that way. Yeah, everyone has a romantic storyline. It's worth pointing out that that is actually the bigger storyline than fixing the weather and stopping <laughs> Weatherman is like who people are dating this week. Exactly. It's the real world. It, yeah. Who's dating who and yeah, Melrose Place, Friends, whatever. It's all those 90s shows wrapped up here. Oh no, Martian Manhunter has AIDS? Huh? He's the he's the Pedro of the bunch. <laughs> oh, okay. Not from here. No girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, well, nobody wants to see that. We haven't gotten to him yet. They really do hide him. Like I said, we have a scene where I think I'm looking at Miguel Ferrer and then his hand turns green for a second. I didn't realize the shot is done so poorly, but there's a special effects shot to let us know that the real Dr. Eno is walking into the building and he's hiding from him. Is that what was going on? Yeah, it's so quick. <laughs> you can't actually tell yeah. that it was... That's what they were trying to do. I had to rewind because I'm like, is the weatherman a beast? Is he sick? That's what I thought they were doing until they revealed Martian Manhunter. Yeah. I knew Martian Manhunter was in this before I watched it. And I didn't know Martian Manhunter was actually a shapeshifter. But I did rewind to be like, what the hell happened with that hand? And I guessed that martian manhunter was somehow involved i didn't realize that was martian manhunter but yes my mind went to strange places i thought that he was a salamander that was wanting to change the weather so that he could live in it i think but that was the plot of like amazing spider-man or something wow wow yeah, no but i was so confused i'm telling you it was hours later until i understood what was going on in the scene in this movie he, like woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night i get it know what happened no no it wasn't middle of the night it was a couple hours ago because <laughs> you only watched this a couple hours ago exactly i haven't slept on this son of a bitch when i go to bed tonight this is out of mind out of sight yeah i'm i'm with you but i do wish there was more focus on this bad guy thing as far as martian manhunter no wonder they keep him off screen i mean if you have david ashton styers and you're gonna put him in spandex you keep that shit off screen yeah <laughs> i've got to say when they finally get to the lair they have some very strange setup is it a ufo is it a submarine what is that down there it's a bridge that has a secret elevator. Yeah, I love that elevator effect. That goes to a submarine that's, what, from outer space? Is this his spacecraft? That's what I'm guessing. It's supposed to be a spacecraft. Uh, yeah. Again, all of this is about bringing Tori into the mix. Nothing is about setting up any of the other characters. A few people mention their backstory. We do find out that the Adam picked up some crazy rock when he was out in Arizona and that turned him into the Adam. But other than that, 
I don't know how anybody got to be who they are or how this Martian found them. And maybe these were stories to be told in future episodes, and Tori is our point of view character, just getting in there. I mean, you can't, I guess, tell the origin story of five characters or six characters in one show and have that also have a plot and be representative. I mean, a pilot is there to show a network, here's what the show will be. And while it has to introduce things for an audience, it also has to be like, here's our storytelling engine. Here's how we're going to have a weekly show of this. So we jump in and we're introduced to them as Tori is, but it doesn't make me like any of them. And between their silly outfits and their lack of actual heroics, I mean, I think about like Peter Parker in the comics, how Marvel writes him as an everyday guy struggling with jobs, struggling with girls, but always having to go off and save the day because it's the right thing to do. These guys are more, I don't think the Flash would leave his mailman job to go save somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, what does John Jones do here? Like the, he, okay, he impersonates Eno to, I guess, do some detective work, but really his big scene is resolving conflict between BB and Martin, the stalker, who's like, I know you're fire because fire has the earrings that I gave to BB. Also, fire doesn't wear a mask. She puts some green under her eyes. It's obviously BB. No, this was a scene that helped. It was actually very helpful because it was a scene that woke me up. I was watching this and <laughs> short burst of just like, oh, I got to watch some more of this. Oh, we're recording in four hours. I need to finish this this movie. And then like when I finally got to the scene, I'm like, oh, my God, this is awful. Like I knew it was bad, but like I was in this numb place where I wasn't allowing anything to, to, to be felt. You know, I guess it's like I'm creating, it's my superpower I'm developing is that I'm embracing my ability to withstand the utter horribleness that's wafting out. And this was a scene that it finally got, it poisoned me. I was just like, this is awful. But yes, you have a scene about earrings exposing her secret identity. Here I'm thinking that the voice of David Ajahn Styers coming out of a sexy black woman is the high point of the show. Okay, I mean, whatever. It's just so ridiculous at this point. It's it's just so tonally wrong. But you know that's what was going to happen week to week if this got picked up. Like, that would be the main conflict. Who is John Jones going to duplicate himself as this week to help them get out of a dilemma? Well, anything not to look like how he actually does, which oh, you're right. He's got, yeah. like quite a, a stomach on him there. I don't know why they would dress him that way. I mean, it's not like they had to get this actor. He's wearing heavy prosthetics on his face. You can't tell who it is. I didn't know who it was until I looked it up afterwards. No. I kind of felt bad for the Martin thing. Now that you're telling me he's 22, BB really should have hooked up with him because... She needed a good acting job. He could have got her places. Seriously, he had money. Little casting couch situation. Yeah, but that was the weird thing was he wasn't helping her career. He just wanted to give her earrings. But no, he pretended to be a French director because that got the attention of her agent. And so her agent wanted to do lunch now that a director appeared to be interested in her. He was helping her career. He was helping her ego. No, doing lunch with your agent is not working. I mean, he had the ability to cast her as a banana in a TV spot, <laughs> which she apparently desperately wanted to do. And he did not let her do it. Because he saw that she was too good to be a banana. <laughs> is she? I don't 
don't know. To be determined. I'd say she's right on par with the yeah. Fruit of the Loom people I saw. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I feel like that's what she should be doing. She's better than the Prune, but not as good as the Grape. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yes, you have this bizarre, probably a one-off. I'm guessing they wouldn't bring back David Krumholtz for future episodes if they were to get picked up for a whole season. I think this was just a storyline to get her to have some character to bounce off of, just like... You know, Green Lantern has his girlfriend that he can't please, and it makes you realize that they should, oh, of course, they need to end up together. But at the end, he's going to introduce her to his new girlfriend, a cheerleader. So, yeah, I think that's the end of that relationship. But finally, we get to the point where Weatherman is just had enough, he wants his 20 million, or he's going to bring in a typhoon to wipe out the city. And all the Justice League members go, except for their new initiate, Ice, because they're like, nope, you just stay home. Get out of danger. Don't do anything. Well, she hasn't been able to do anything with her powers. I mean, they, like, tortured her or something. They're like, turn the piece of water into an icicle, and, like, she couldn't do it. Like, they have no faith in her powers. And they were all getting sick. I mean, it was done so poorly, but they were all down in the sub. Oh, that's right, because it was cold in there. Yeah. Like, yeah, getting the cold. Like, literally, when you're around her, you get a cold or sniffles or something. That's why Martian started to lose his... You know, I guess that's why his hand turned green or something like that. It's like No, he said he could only remain human for a certain amount of time. He loses his charge. And I think the reason they were all getting sick is because they were out in the cold. Yeah, it's because of Tori. She was making it yes. cold, but she was freezing everything but the piece of water. Yeah. So they don't want to work with her in the finale. I get that. But uh, duh, if a giant tidal wave is coming, what are you going to do? Set it on fire? I mean, are you going to shrink down? Actually, why couldn't Fire have set it on fire and turned it to steam? Earlier, there was a mudslide as she scorched a hill to dry the mud, which I'm afraid in California would have immediately started a forest fire. <laughs> yeah, you had to brush fire <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah, she also <laughs> melted the hail, so it was just rain. I also want to point out, we were told that that's what she did. We come back from commercial break. <laughs> Conveniently, that's all taken care of us. There is no special effects budget here. We do not see anything. Oh, come on. What do you call Green Lantern when he makes his helicopter blades to go <laughs> fly after the weatherman. You're right. They All of the money that they do have, they give to Green Lantern to make green umbrellas. At some point, he makes a green chainsaw to come after weatherman. I thought that was a little harsh. <laughs> I was like, all right. I mean, I wouldn't have think that that would get on television, but you go. Now, the, the one thing I thought was funny, and this just because I'm a comic book nerd, so I know about Martian Manhunter, is like, the weatherman, what, he, Tori thinks she gets the weather changing device and brings it to the sub, and it's actually a tracker. So he, now weatherman knows where the JLA is. He's shooting, what, a laser beam to warm up the sub? Uh, something like that. I, I take it to mean that it's going to heat up until they all die of heat, and it's also yes. sealed all the doors, and somehow they figure out how to get the door open. Yeah, somehow they get out, but Marsh, Martian Manhunter's like, 300 degrees is nothing to me. Well, no, his one weakness is fire. Like Martian Manhunter hates fire. So I did chuckle at that. I also thought it was just funny that they'll do anything to not have him go and actually fight a bad guy. Yeah, you don't want to see David Eisenstein's in spandex in full lighting. No, yeah, I admittedly, you don't I don't. They're right. That's that would make this worse. 
But anyway, yes, the big tidal wave is coming, and Tori turns it to ice, and um, they all come and apologize to her the next day and ask her to be in their super cool group. <laughs> Give her the worst costume. They're like, thanks for saving the world. Now here's this costume you gotta wear. All right, the only thing I care about and have a question about, <laughs> ice and Adam. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, like the moment where they're like talking about the pranks they pull, like they'll shrink the atom down into an ice cube and then they'll <laughs> pop out at a party. Yeah, that would that would break the glass and yeah, not, and probably suffocate him in ice and ruin your whole secret identity thing. But go on, yes. But I'm also wondering, is she into him? Like the whole thing is, she keeps calling him nice, and he says, you know, nice is bad. She says nice guys can be sexy, but that doesn't mean she means him. I could never tell. I know he likes her. No, they're definitely into each other. Okay, it's, it is reciprocal. But no, Arnie's right. Arnie's right. The tension of the show would be they both like each other, but she would give mixed signals in which they wouldn't actually end up being together. Well, they ruined that tension of the show in this pilot because, to me, there's no question that they're together at this point, at the end. No, she definitely says things that, yeah, that calling him nice and all of that gives the impression that she isn't, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, they go out for strolls. They're the only two that appear together in their real-world confessional booth. No, there's a couple, there's a, three of them at one point. Yeah, Flash, Green Lantern, and BB. Oh, that's right. It's poorly established. I'm not going to defend this writing. A lot of things here don't really make sense or, or feel like they hedged their bets and started going in one direction and they went, oh no, let's just do it this way. But all they had to do was establish their heroes and what we see at the end is a poor excuse for the Reservoir Dogs walk as they're walking <laughs> in their one color each. Is that the idea that everyone gets a color? Ray Palmer gets two. He's blue and red. But yeah, you have Green Lantern, who's green. Ice... Who's blue, obviously. Fire is also green. Yeah, she's green because she puts on the green eyeshadow or whatever. Yeah, I don't get what's going on with she her. She kind of looks like Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah, she did. And the Flash, who is red. And then Martian Manhunter in... Who's also green. Lots of green in this JLA. Yeah. And the Atom is red. So there's red and green and then ice is blue. It felt like if you were going for a comic book world from long ago. It, it, it felt... Very different from going to see a comic book movie in the 90s in theaters, where they were all Tim Burton dark. This felt like they were going for Batman 66 camp. Yeah, I mean, even these, especially the Adams costume, which is like literally a pair of football shoulders over some spandex, like, these look bad. Yeah, they look really terrible. They're not much better than last week. I mean, that is the shocker, is that they must have just had no faith in this as a concept. Because oh, I think they're considerably better when you compare the apples to apples of Flash versus Flash and Green Lantern versus Green Lantern. Much better. These are not immediately laughable. You think? Much better? Yeah. I mean, that Green Lantern outfit looked like he had a Viewmaster surgically put over his eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's bad. It seriously looks like the prop shop went through the toy <laughs> section and said, Okay. The DVD I bought of this at a Wizard World in one of those dark piracy booths was not of the highest quality, so I couldn't really get a good look at it, but I kind of liked the way they did the vest and the leather pants and the different tones. It felt like an updated version of Green Lantern versus just the pajamas. So Jacob Stewart, do you wish this had been picked up for series? Would you have watched? Jacob. 
No, obviously no. <laughs> I would not have watched. But the the real question for me when I'm looking at this is, is there something salvageable <laughs> in this? Like, is there something that if they would have just tweaked it a little, changed that shade of green on Fire's outfit, it would have worked or something? No, that's the thing. Everything here pretty much doesn't work. Like I said, Fire is the best character. She's got the most presence, but no one else I want to watch. I don't care about Tori. I don't care about Barry trying to find a job. I don't care about Ray Palmer trying to come to terms with being the nice. Like None of these are character traits or personal dramas that I want to tune into week after week after week. And uh, especially when they do get around to the superheroes, this is a Justice League that doesn't want to be a Justice League. Ugh, I don't see how this would have been good. It's, it would be, I would have to put on a Viewmaster mask to try to be able to squint and see something workable in this mess. So another strong not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, it's horrible. And it's a horrible Melrose place. I want that to be stressed. Forget that it's not Justice League. That's like whatever. I mean, that's, that's not even their target. They're just trying to make a show that's hip and young and fresh and failure. Complete failure here. You would not want to watch these people hanging out. This would be a bad season of real world. Where we're at, I'm trying to think about what was going on at the time. And was this better than Generation X? I am going to say that I found the characters maybe slightly more human and relatable than the kids on Generation X. So if I had to greenlight one of the series, that's the game I played, I would greenlight this one over that wannabe X-Men whatever it is that they, they put out there for one movie. But this is terrible, and almost as terrible as last week. The important part of that is the almost. My hope, and I do think I could be right here, is that each week we're going to get better. We're going to get closer and closer to something that I could withstand. Well, at least get into the movie theaters after that Gen 13 cartoon. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, you know, much like when we get to Watchmen, we're going to talk about it as an evolution of comic book heroes. I think we're going to watch an evolution of comic book heroes progress into, yeah, a quality theatrical movie. And that no matter what it ends up being, that Zack Snyder thing is going to look brilliant. By the time we get there, it's going to be hopefully the best one. We'll see. I also agree, Stuart. I was thinking not about where we were in the 90s, but of all the television superheroics we have covered here at Now Playing. Is this better than Legends of the Superheroes? Hell yes. Is this better than Generation X? It's real close. Yeah, I say this is better than Generation X. The effects are better. It's better lit. It doesn't feel like an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. No mind rape, yeah. I think I laugh more during Generation X. Yeah, but I'm looking at serious stuff. But I am not ashamed to say that in the 90s, I watched my soaps, my Dawson's Creek, and my 90210, and my Melrose Place. And yeah, this is terrible in comparison to that. And I watched superhero shows. I watched The Flash. I watched Lois and Clark. And when it started, I watched Smallville and Birds of Prey. All of them are better than this. This is not a lost gem that, oh God, if only the network executive had had the insight. No, this was every right to have the plug pulled. This is unsalvageable. And the problem is, it's not the budget, but it doesn't help. And it's not the writing that doesn't help much either. It's the cast. These guys are terrible. And I looked up some of them and I, I was shocked any of them worked again, because judging by this, only the Adam 
was the one who I felt like he could have something. And he's the voice of the Crypt Keeper, you know? He's a voice actor. Yeah, I liked him okay. I liked Fire okay. I thought Flash was tolerable, and then the rest of them were awful. Flash was tolerable for what he was, but he grew old real fast. That was my problem with him. I think the writing was there for Flash with a better actor, honestly. When he was trying to hit up the waiter for a gig, he wasn't pulling that humor off the way you should. They should have had David Krumholtz. I mean, I actually felt Martin would have been a better Flash. They, they felt very similar. And so you wonder why they had two different parts feel so identical. Yeah, the only thing I can say is I thought the Adam was a lot older. You know, he was 40 when this was being filmed. Yeah. You wonder why he was living with them. Well, he works at a public school, so that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's truthfully bad casting, and it got me just thinking as I'm watching this about very meta things. Like, are you under such a time crunch that you just take the best that comes along, even if you know they're crap? Or do you just keep waiting and go, okay, we haven't found the right cast yet. Let's wait till the next upfront season. I mean, I'm putting it all on the casting, and maybe it's the casting director, because David Oshenstiers, the best thing I can say about this not getting picked up is it allowed him to go on and do the dead zone, where he was very good in it. And if this had been picked up, he would have been too busy to go over and start doing that a few years later. But it's terrible casting to take this guy from MASH and put him in green makeup. He's got a good voice for it, but he is terrible physicality maybe the thought was he's barely going to be on screen because he's always going to be shape-shifting but it's bad casting top to bottom it's pretty unwatchable it's hard to find so don't bother not recommend yeah you know it's amazing how many unwatchable things i've watched though you know it's almost (laughs) my job it's like i say oh yeah i can't watch this and yet i keep watching it and i and we keep going through it next week i got a goddamn cartoon (laughs) you swore to me i would never have to watch one of these goddamn superhero cartoons i said you'd never have to watch a direct-to-video cartoon we already did batman mask of the phantasm you've repressed it but transformers gi joe mask of the phantasm teenage mutant ninja turtles animation is part of the franchise experience we didn't do a turtles cartoon we did the yeah, CGI. CGI computer one. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> that one was way deep. Oh wow, I had forgotten of that. That's right. <laughs> Just go to our archives page sometime. You'll see more cartoons than you expect. Wow. But you have an animation by Lord of the Rings. Oh my yeah, god, I actually one. had opinions about that. Wow, I need to hear that show. Well, I, your kids had opinions about it. That I do not remember. There was, oh yeah, there was, oh yeah, it's coming back to me. Okay. I'm looking forward to finding out about Gen 13, you know? Maybe this is a better Big Hero 6. Better. I liked Big Hero 6, so maybe this is even better. Yeah, I think I like Big Hero 6. I'm not sure. That was another cartoon, by the way. If they go by the comics, Gen 13 won't be directed towards five-year-olds, so. Yeah, I, uh, to 13-year-olds. I'm not encouraged (laughs) at all, but I'll get through it. Somehow I will get to Batman versus Superman. Yeah, if what you're looking forward to is a theatrical release of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And and two Zack Snyder films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and can I just ask, just jump ahead here, who the hell thinks Superman can't beat up Batman? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, all right, guy in a tin can with bat ears versus a god that can fly. Hey, you need to go listen to Jacob and I review The Dark Knight Returns in Books and Nachos. We covered it. Okay. I mean, this movie is obviously going straight Frank Miller. From the shape of the bat to the armored suit, they're taking that comic directly. And that comic made it believable. All right. Well, then I will uh, go hear your review. I probably won't go read the comic. We will be back next week with Gen 13. And might I remind you, if you want to hear about movies we actually really like... We have a book coming out. Underrated movies we recommend. Pre-orders are open now. You can get there by going to nowplayingpodcast forward slash book. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. You're not welcome again. <laughs> I mean, thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes, you have Jet 13 next week. <laughs> Until next time, good night and Kareem! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Good work, Weather Wizard. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Bravo, Justice League. Bravo, a virtuosic performance. But I want you to keep one thing in mind about the weather. It can change at any moment. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another DC Comics film. Featuring all the way through a weekend of release review of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Now, if you begin to feel an intense and crushing feeling of religious terror at the concept, don't be alarmed. That indicates only that you are still sane. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. Have they talked you into joining us yet? And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. What is it? The future, gentlemen. The future. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Only the best of the best come here. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. You know, I like to go watch movies. You know, I I like to watch long movies because, you know, I run around all day. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, underrated movies we recommend get reviews of 125 films our hosts love we don't do this thing because it's permitted we do it because we have to we do it because we're compelled you can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. we've got to tell the others there's no time oh yes there is you can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. You can't spend your life in front of a computer, Tori. You know, it's a lot safer. Yeah, well, you know, fighting for truth, justice, and the American way just isn't helping my bank account, you know? <laughs> Support from listeners like you. Help keep now playing operating. A watchdog group of nuclear scientists has moved the doomsday clock to two minutes until midnight. 
You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Give him the money, Batman. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You boys look nice in your underwear. Now Playing's DC Teams retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. God doesn't make the world this way. We do. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Oh, I know. He talks funny. <laughs> now Playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. Where do you see what I'm going to do to you when I get you back to that cave? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. It's a joke. It's all a joke. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. You don't think that's a little paranoid? Not what they say about me now. Paranoid. Home voyage. Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends. Superheroes! Disperse! Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, that had started in 93, was really on the skids by 95, and limped into 97 before dying an unglorious death. Before dying an unglorious death. (laughs) I want to learn the definition of that word. An unglamorous... I thought that might just kept going. No one was you can't escape that. <laughs> Listeners be like, what do you say? I'm not hitting rewind. <laughs> you know, I do it all the time when I'm tired. That's how you know. When I say something like that, that's not a word, like a Jesse Jackson song, it means I need to go to bed. That is a Jesse telltale Jackson. sign, and I'll be like, super interpolerant. I was not prepared to do two movies tonight. I had to watch this at work today. <laughs> I did the same thing. I saw this like five hours ago, and it was a struggle. Let me tell you, I'm like, I'm like, I don't think I can sit through this. It's short though. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so anyway, and continue. <laughs> The group is comprised of the... F- the <laughs> you got a little Spanish there. Did you watch it in Spanish? Did that make the performances better? Oh, it would have made it so much better. <laughs> I, it was again, I was just like, I'll just keep going. No, Stuart will call me on it. <laughs> it's the only thing I have to entertain myself. You want me to talk about this shit storm? <laughs> well, there is a storm. <laughs> The only one who's actually focusing on the weatherman is meteorologist Kimberly Oha. She's a scientist working at a meteorologist. Wait a minute. 
No, no, Tori. Yeah, Tori is daughter. The, I remembered it from nine hundred two one zero. I'm like Tori. <laughs> oh, Tori Oha. No, Tori Oha Olaf's is the actress name. Yeah, it's yeah. it's something um, Icelandic. Olaf's something daughter. daughter. Yeah, Olaf's daughter. Yeah, Tori Olaf's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Is she really the daughter of Olaf? Yeah, that's that, that's how they do it. Uh, like in Iceland. Okay. Okay. I probably have f***ed this up the whole way through the plot summary, so we'll see. The scientist is working at the meteorological. The scientist is working at a meteorological. <laughs> meteorological. <laughs> While snooping around the office, Kim accidentally pours water on Tori. the weather. Thank you. You think much better? Yeah, I mean that Green Lantern outfit looked like he had a Viewmaster surgically put over his eyes. I mean, it's it's bad. I almost did a spit take on that one as I had just taken a drink of water. Thank you. <laughs> it's a close, close battle, and in fact, both have Miguel. No, no, the other no. one had uh, what's Matt his name? Matt, Matt Fuhrer Fuhrer, versus yeah. Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> That's really what it's about. Matt Frewer wins it for me, yeah. (laughs) Good night and Kareem! (laughs) I'm glad you're going to keep that, because I don't think you're going to find any quotable lines for a couple more movies. It was hard to find a couple things so I could have this represented in the credits somewhere. That was difficult. (laughs) 